All right, let's uh, let's get started. So I, I did want to discuss. Uh, I wanted to finish up the discussion of putting the lemon in the tea because even though it's not, I don't know how many of you have lemon. I don't know how many of you have tea in the first place, or how many of you have tea in a klisheni, and lemon would be a shayla. But it's an interesting diyun in halacha that he's dealing with when it comes to the, that the post can deal with when it comes to davar charif. So I wanted to mention that before we get into the coffee and you know, I realized we didn't do magus yet, which we probably should do, or at least you should do bechabrusa. Make sure you cover what was it Sif Yivches? Is that what it's Sif? Yeah. So make sure you cover Sif Yivches and uh, you know and understand the uh, the ins and outs of Megis if you uh, if you can in case we don't get to this year. Although I hope to. Um, so we started saying yesterday that the Mishnah Masech Shabbos tells us that you're not allowed to put Tavlin into a Klirishon because Tavlin gets cooked in a Klirishon, but you're allowed to put it into a Klisheni because Tavlin is one of the things we know is not Kaleyabishul. So you're allowed to put Tavlin into a Klisheni. But the Mishnah says that Rabbi Yehuda disagrees with the Chachamim, right? Rabbi Yehuda disagrees with the Tanakhama. Rabbi Yehuda says, that you could put uh, Tavlin into anything except for that which has Chomet Tzitzir. So we're not sure what exactly, the is not sure, what exactly is Rabbi disagreeing about? Is Rabbi saying that, you know what? You're even allowed to put Tavlin into a Klirishon, unless it has Chomet Tzitzir. If the Klirishon has a Dabr Charif in it, somehow... If, the, if, if, if it has a double charif in it, somehow that allows the tavlin to, uh, to, to be cooked. But tavlin is such a chumre abishal, it so, so is not easily cooked, that even in Klirishon it won't get cooked unless it has Chomotzitzir, an unbelievable kula. Or no, maybe Rabbi Yudh is coming to say a chumre, that you say you're allowed to put tavlin in the cliche, because it's not going to be... That it's not going to be mevashel. Uh, no, maybe a sefer koyel chumra. The Rebbe is talking about the klisheni, and he's coming to be machmir, and he's saying that if you, if it has chometz v'tzir, then tavlin will get cooked in the klisheni. Then it's going to be like a kalei abishul. The chometz v'tzir is going to is going to transform it into something that's more easily cooked. So we don't pass on that review either way. We don't pass on that review. The Gemara says, in the end of the day, that review was trying to be makil. The Gemara comes to the conclusion that he was commenting on the first halacha of the Tanakhama. He was actually trying to be makil, and he was trying to say that even in a klirishon tavlin will only get cooked with chometz tzitzir. But we uh, we obviously don't pass like that. Yeah, you're not allowed to put tavlin in a klirishon whether there's a double charif in the klirishon or whether there's no double charif in the klirishon. You're not allowed to put tavlin in a klirishon. So we don't pass like that. However, however, do we pass in that there is some sort of difference? between a Dabr Kharif and non Dabr Kharif. Meaning just because we don't pass in like Rabbi Yehuda's wild application of this principle, that you're even allowed to put Tavlin in a Klirishon, as long as there's no Chomets Vitzir, we're not going to go that far. But maybe we do hold, maybe even the Chachamim hold, that there is a difference in terms of a dish that has harifas to it, that has sharpness to it, where something is more likely to get cooked, and a dish that has no harifas to it, where it's less likely to get cooked. So how does that play out? Ramah, in Yeradeya, in Simon Samach Tesif Tes, Ramah passing is based on Isr that Melech is Mavashav after Klisheni, that uh, salt gets cooked in, even in a Klisheni, and the Shach uh, says that if it uh, uh, falls into a tafshil charif, like chometz v'tzir, it becomes aser even in a klisheni. That something that falls into a tafshil charif becomes aser in a uh, in a klisheni. So the uh, the 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 uh, prima gadim and Rabbi Kiveger write that by a davar charif, it's mevashal even a klisheni, and and the whole machlokas is only about melech. There's a machlokas between the Ramah and others and the Marshal when it comes to um, Melech because that's a question of whether Melech even counts as a Dabr Kharif or not but 
the issue of uh, uh, of, of klisheni being mevashel b'dabra charif says the prima gadim that uh, and Rabbi Kiveger that klisheni with a dabra charif makes it gives it more ability to be mevashel. It gives it more of an ability to try. This is in Yardaya, so it's about it's about blios. More of an ability to transfer tam if it's a dabra charif in a klisheni. Uh, the gra in uh, in over there in Yardaya says that the makar of this idea. That a dabar charev is mivashel and klisheni is Rabbi Yehuda. It's shitas Rabbi Yehuda. The Mishnah Masecha Shabbos, where Rabbi Yehuda says that bishul tavlin on Shabbos uh, is, uh, is 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 going to be aser in in a uh, in a klirishon only if there's a dabar charev. But if there's no dabar charev, it's going to be mutter in a klirishon. So the poskim say, good, we don't pass on Rabbi Yehuda because we hold the klirishon is mashal everything. But maybe we accept Rabbi Yehuda as far as a klisheni. Rabbi Yehuda svara. But we apply it to a klisheni that maybe just like the chachamim say that your that klisheni is eno mevashel, but maybe there's a limitation on that. Maybe klisheni is only eno mevashel because there's no charifos. But if there's charifos, we accept Rabbi Yehuda's premise that charifos will enable bishul. That's what the prima gadim writes over here in Shin Yudches Mishpasav Sivkat Ches. That according to the shach, a klisheni is mevashel with a dover charif, and it's not only mafle to mavlia; it's mevashel legabe shabbos because the whole source of the notion that it will be mafle to mavlia is elchas shabbos. It's, it's our mishnah in mesecha shabbos, and primagadim says that there's enough kamina in how to understand uh, shitas Rabbi Yehuda. It's got to be that there's enough kamina in shitas Rabbi Yehuda. And Rabbi Yehuda is not just a uh, you know, that Svaras Rabbi Yehuda is going to matter la halacha. It can't just be that you could dismiss Svaras Rabbi Yehuda and say, ah, oh, it's, it's only Rabbi Yehuda, we don't pass in that way. It has to be that it matters la halacha. Why does it have to be that it matters la halacha? Says the Prima God, why does the Gemara go crazy to try to figure out which part of the Mishnah Rabbi Yehuda is disagreeing with? Whether the Reisha and he's coming la hakel or the Seifa and he's coming la hachmir, who cares? We don't pass like it anyway. So why would we be shakal vitari within Shitas Rabbi Yehuda? It must be that Shitas Rabbi Yehuda matters. Now, is that a strong raya? You know, the Gemara sometimes does that. The Gemara sometimes, but often when the Gemara does that, it's to be Megala the other Shita. It's to be Megala the, the Shita that we pass in like. Meaning, um, we hold Elu Ve'elu Devere Kimchayim. Chazal tell us, when you have Machuk Beisham Beisilol, even Shita's Beishamai is Devere Kimchayim. It's a Chelek of Torah. The way of Shachar always likes to say it over. What that means is that when you learn Shita's Beishamai, it's not Bittal Torah. Now, when you're learning Shittas Beishamai, that's still called Talmud Torah. You're not allowed to paskin like Shittas Beishamai, but it's not Bittal Torah to learn Shittas Beishamai. And that's the Pashtas, that Elu Ve'el Devel Kim Chaim is a principle in Limud, it's not a principle in Halacha. Because as far as Halacha is concerned, Beishamai Mokim Beisilel is a Mishnah. We don't paskin like Beishamai, we paskin like the Beisilel. But in Limud Torah, we learn Shittas Beishamai as, as well. Roshakta points out that sometimes Elu Ve'el Devel Kim Chaim plays a critical role in halacha as well. For example, Kedaihu Rabbi Shimon Lismachalav B'Shasachak. What's the notion of Kedaihu Rabbi Shimon Lismachalav B'Shasachak? It means we don't pass like Rabbi Shimon, but B'Shasachak, we're allowed to pass like him. But that's halacha. So you see, why are we allowed to pass like him? Because his shita is also Torah. So Elu Devil Kim allows B'Shasachak that you can pass like Rabbi Shimon. There are a few situations where we apply Elu Devil Kim even 
to uh, to Pesach Halacha. But one of the, the 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 unwritten rules that Rishonim have, and it is written in some Rishonim. A lot of times Rishonim will, will spell it out. I'm saying there's no like clear rule book of the uh, of the the Pesach that uh, that was given down at least in written form to the Rishonim, but the Rishonim themselves formulated Kalei Apsak, right? Uh, the Rosh did and others did as well. So they formulated Kalei Apsak, certainly the Yachronim did it within the Rishonim. If you look in the beginning of the uh, Rush in the standard editions of the Vilna Shas, in uh, the Karban the Asan, who wrote Kalei Apsak, La Rif, Rosh, Rambam, and they tries to show how, what, what, what the rules are that each one follow. But, uh, but one of the, the rules of Kalei Apsak is that we use the Gemara's emphasis of a conversation is an indicator in Pesach. That if the Gemara is going to spend a lot of time talking about a particular shita, then that's an indicator that we paskin like that shita. So, uh, because why the Gemara was focused on as Rav Shechter often points out, that's the Yikr of Talmud Torah. The Yikr of Talmud Torah is so that's what they were interested in doing in the Gemara. That's what the whole Gemara is. The whole Gemara is so that's what that's what all the Amoraim were busy doing. So if that's the Yikr of Talmud Torah. Why would they waste that? Not waste that. Why would they um, divert? Time that could have been used, and instead use it to uh, to discuss shitos that are clearly just rejected and have no impact on halacha. So Prabhupada says, "Oh, good. The fact that there's a discussion of Rabbi Yudha tells me that even though we don't paskalik Rabbi Yudha, Rabbi Yudha shita matters. It matters the halacha. So uh, so that and, and it matters in in this way. There's shaka vatari like." You know what would that time say in this instance? But there's also the shakuvatari of I don't even know what he's what saying. he's saying. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like a major shakuvatari. I hear that. Now in the sefer shvisa shabbos, uh, he says based on this primakadim, how is it that people put lemon in tea in a cliche? Lemon is a double charif. Right? We learned Yerdeh last year. Uh, some Yerdeh last year. Lemon is a double charif, and if lemon is a, right, that's why when you're a mashkiach at a uh, at a simcha or something, you got to make sure that uh, you provide the bartenders with knives. Because some bartenders are nervous that they're not going to find a knife when they need one, and they'll bring one from home and they'll start cutting the lemons. And uh, what could go wrong at a bar, right? What could uh, what could happen at a, at a bar? Well, that's what could happen. He could be taking his trefa knife with a ducha de sakina and a dover charif. A lemon is a dover charif, and it's going right into your uh, your diet coke. So uh, even though you're not worried about the uh, about the soda, in general, you don't have to worry about the soda, even though it comes out of the uh, the machine. Uh, generally, the syrups are all the same. Someone was on a date last night, texted me um, that we're in a lobby of a hotel or something, and uh, they have soda, but it's only coming out of the, I think the word that the girl used was the shooter. It's coming out, I said, I don't think it's called that, but, uh, <laughs> but whatever it's called, it was coming out of that. So, uh, so the, soda, the soda is fine. Right, but uh, what about the lemon? Right, uh, if, they're, if they're cutting the lemon with with whatever, so uh, so lemon is a double charb. So how could you put the lemon into tea? Here you can have a klisheni if we you hold like the primagadim klisheni has the ability to be mivashel if it's a double charb. And here's the lemon is a double charb. So in the sefer chut shani chut shani is listen Karelitz who's a major bnei brak posik. So. Uh, Someone told me once that they went to ask from this Karel, it's about uh, about what bracha to make on sushi, um, and he just couldn't wrap his mind around. Okay, he couldn't uh, he couldn't he couldn't chop what uh, what you know, like like what it is why you would eat it like he didn't he, he like he just couldn't 
you couldn't shtel to to sushi. You just couldn't. He's like, I don't know, I don't know what this is. Like, they was so on the way out, they uh, they saw the rebbitzin. A friend of mine told me he saw the rebbitzin in the kitchen or whatever, and he said, okay, we'll ask the rebbitzin because maybe maybe she's more familiar with foods. So he asked the rebbitzin, what what do you think? So she said. You should wash and make a mozi, and then you could have sushi. So that was, that was the, the stock of uh, rabbits and karelits, and how to eat sushi. Um, so the the Rebbeinu Karelitz quotes at the Chazanish in Simon of Beis of Cutting Your Test says that you can put lemon into a cliche, and even though it's yatsoledes, um, because it's like tavlin, and you don't have to worry about that it's kalis bashel because you know we're never machzik something as kalis as as kaliyabishel like that's chaznish l'shitas we don't assume things are automatically kaliyabishel and uh, if it's yad nichvis okay you want to be machmir like the chayyadam if it's yad nichvis so then there's what to be machmir like the chayyadam because of yad nichvis but uh, but that that that's it now whether putting putting onions in a soup when it's yatsoledas the taz writes in shimuches sif. Cut on Yodalid, that you should be careful because it could be that, it's, that the, the onions are called Kaleabishal because they're Kharif and they're Mimarilis Fashel. And you see that they uh, that it has an impact on the on the onions when you put them in the soup. So he says, Lachora says from this and the same would be true about a lemon. Uh, the Metsiyos is that the lemon is Mushpa Mehachom Umishtana Mitchunasa. It's certainly affected by the heat and it changes. So and if it, and if a lemon gets gets affected and impacted in a klisheni, for sure lemon juice gets impacted in a klisheni. And he says, and we can't sorechi and al mat demashma bebir alacha demutu litein b'shabes but klisheni mashka shows me lemon that the shulchan sounds like he's saying that you're, the the bir alacha rather sounds like he's saying that you're allowed to put lemon juice in a klisheni. And he says, and it's also sorechi and on the chazanish that you can put a lemon in a klisheni. So davar charif klisheni Rabbi Yehuda. Uh, Prima Gadim tells us that that has the ability to elevate it to something that's bishul. So that's what he's matmia. So in the Sefer Ketzos Hashulchan, he says, I don't understand what the Shvisas Shabbos' problem is over here. What do we mean when we say that a Dabar Kharif will allow a klisheni to be mevashel? We're talking about if something that's not Kharif goes into a klisheni that has a dish that's hot, that's yatsaladis, that is kharif. But when the davar kharif itself is what falls into the klisheni, that doesn't become, it's not that the davar kharif becomes nisbashel in the klisheni, it's that the combination of the heat of a klisheni plus the davar kharif impacts other food that comes into the klisheni and is mevashel that. So uh, over here, where the whole shaila is about the bishel of the lemon, the, about the lemon getting cooked, there's no shaila. That's not an issue of the davar charif. The davar charif has the, the, the ability to impact something else, but not uh, to, to become impacted itself. In the, the Ketos HaShulchan, he said, but maybe there's another reason to ask it. Because after you put the lemon into the tea, the tea becomes a davar charif. And now the sense that you put into the tea is assuming that you prepare a tea sense, which is the uh, very thick, uh, not thick, the very uh, strong flavored uh, tea so that you don't have to put use a tea bag on Shabbos. So it was initially uh, a cliche, so it wouldn't be mavashal the tea sense. But now what do you have? You have lemon juice. You have, what do you do? You put hot water in a cliche. You put in some lemon. So, so okay, good. The lemon itself is a dark cup, so the lemon's not going to be nispashal. Fine. 
But now you have lemony water, and lemony water without the sugar, they, they don't sell that. They don't sell that at, at the baseball stadium, right, to, to have uh, lemonade without the sugar. The whole thing is sugar, because lemony water without the sugar is very charif. So if, if lemony water without the sugar is very charif, so then when you put the tea scents into the lemony water, that's going to be nispasha. Because even though it's a cliche, it's a cliche in combination with a uh, with a double charif. So that's how the Ketos Shulchan wants to say to be uh, to be machmir. But even so, even so, Yosir Nirish Amutter because the lemon has the din of a tablin, which is not mispashal in a cliche. And it seems that that's what the uh, we're not choshesh for uh, for Kaliyabishul. So anyway, that is the discussion about lemon. It's just an interesting Yoridea related discussion about the role of. Uh, of Davar uh, Kharif in this equation. The time that the lemon is mushba from the... I thought we said that's out of bounds because it's halachic and like once you go there that anything I put in... Meaning he's like Enenu Roos, that part. Yeah. It, 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 it seems that that was never really fully resolved. Meaning that uh, the postcom throughout the generations are still going back to Bishul of Metzias or Bishul Halacha. So uh, and it seems that at, at some point everyone gets... <laughs> You know, a lot of postcals, even those postcals that will say Bishel is a halacha, at some point they'll get to a point where they say, but, but come on, like, you know, but the Metzius but the over here, you know. Uh, so, so you know, whether, you, whether it's the postcal by tea, meaning the postcal that say that tea, it's just a Metzius, you see that it's getting cooked. I don't know if they would say that the Hagdara of Bishel is always a Metzius. I think they, they just think that the Metzius is so overwhelming in that case that you have to say that it's uh, getting cooked. I don't know. Um, let's get Lemaisa Lemaisa as far as coffee and things of that nature. Let's see. Question? Okay, so let's get Lemaisa as far as coffee. So when you make coffee in shops, people t- tend to use instant coffee, right? That used to be, uh, you know, as, as snobby as we get about our coffee, and people get pretty snobby about their coffee. Um, but uh, still, we have we, we most people still don't brew coffee on Shabbos, which is uh, although people are coming up with aitzes, right? They have they have a Shabbos Keurig now, and they have a uh, they that you can set the coffee machine on a timer so it will brew Shabbos morning. That's also a fun topic. I actually have a piece in the safer. Oh, if anyone wants to see. <laughs> You can, uh, about uh, about setting coffee machine on a on a on a timer for Shabbos, so you you have uh, you have that. But it, t- typically, what you do is you just use instant coffee. So how do they make instant coffee? So the bean is first roasted. That gets out. That draws out the flavor. Then they cook the bean. Then they cook the bean, and then uh, it's dried by either freeze drying or spray drying it. Now, when the consumer buys instant coffee in the store, all you see is a bunch of granules that all you need to do is add water to, and then it gets totally dissolved, and it becomes a delicious or really not so delicious cup of coffee because it's not fresh brewed, but it's a, you know an okay cup of coffee. It still has all the caffeine that you need. So based on the fundamental principle of Ein Bishel Bishel, coffee was cooked before, so there's no issue of bishul whatsoever, and if you pour water straight from the urn onto those coffee granules, it should be no problem, l'chora. However, What do you mean? Ah, meaning that wasn't the, the gemar of the... Uh, so maybe, yeah, maybe that would be an, an issue over here. That if you, but it's a big chiddish to say that the Akhdar of is, you know, based on whether there's a gemar or something. Now there's a machlokas among the Rishonim, as we discussed, about Bishel Achar Tzli. 
Um, so uh, the the Mordechai, as we know, quotes the sheet of the Arayim that it's also to uh, to do bishlach atzli. And uh, and and the raya from Kompesach we already went through. And then the Mordechai quotes Rav who says, "No, nah, the raya is not a raya. The problem with kot uh, matzah is a totally different issue." So there, there are two approaches to defend the raya that we've already gone through. That on Shabbos you're not allowed to cook food that had uh, been previously baked. We had the ugly tal, uh, and we had the taz. We had more approaches, but the, the ugly tal and the taz. Um, so just to quickly chazer. The Gleital points out that Tosus and the Russian understand that the only reason it's called Matzah Ashira is that it was cooked. So the new halachic status of cooked Matzah Ashira overrides the original status of baked Matzah. Uh, so when cooking achieves a new halachic status, that's when it's going to be significant. So Matzah Ashira is a new halacha, and that's why it's going to be significant in that case. The Taz says, no, the very fact that the taste changes is the reason you're not allowed to do it on Shabbos, because it's clearly a melech's machshevis, it creates an improvement, so the taste of cooked matzah is fundamentally different than the taste of matzah that was only baked, and it's the taste change that gives cooking significance. So Willick points out that a fundamental difference between, between these two approaches is whether you're allowed to toast bread on Shabbos. The Taz would say it's usher, it's creating a clear physical taste improvement, whereas Egletal would say that it's mutter, because toasting bread makes no halachic change to the bread, even though it makes a physical taste change to the bread. So, since, you know, as, 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 as an, a matter of halacha, baking and cooking accomplish two different results. Shulchorach Paskins, you can't put bread into a hot klisheni, as we saw, and the Ramah says, that uh, some are makel to even uh, put baked products in a klirishon, but then says that the common practice is to avoid that. So Mishra says that something that was baked or roasted is still subject to bishul, right? That's how we paskin, certainly the chachila, certainly meikra din when you're coming lechachila to discuss, so we're going to assume that there's going to be bishul achatzli. So the Bira Lacha then raises a question, which is very relevant to instant coffee, which we discussed before. Is it a violation to roast an item that's been previously roasted but was then cooked in between, right? How do we view it? Does the subsequent cooking remove the previous status of roasted food, or do you assume that no? Once it's been roasted, that's it. It can never be roasted again. Ain't sli achar sli. So once it's been roasted, it's never subject to so tzli achar bishel achar tzli, or for that matter, bishel achar tzli achar bishel. Those are the uh, those. Are, that's the issue the Bir Lacha discusses. Bir Lacha quotes Primo Gadim says muter. A previously cooked carbon pesach that was then roasted is still possible because it was previously cooked. So apparently, you don't lose that mavushal status when it's then roasted. Beralacha disagrees with the primogadim and says that the original status does disappear. The original status if it was cooked and then you roast it, so that's no longer cooked. Now it's roasted. So uh, Rav Willard pointed out that they're arguing about uh, the, the same issue that the Avital and the Taz are arguing about. Do we look at the halachic status, in which case the original bishul is still is still there, or do we assess based on improved taste, based on a, an, an, a, a reality where maybe the roasting has masked the cooked taste of the item, and therefore it's not considered to be cooked uh, anymore? Um, a little bit difficult because the the, the rejects the taz's uh, heter to reheat cooked food near a fire. Uh, why then would it be machmer for the svar of the taz when it comes to bishul achatzli achar bishul? So we'll discuss that, but let's, let's not uh, overcomplicate. So now, instant coffee. Given what we know about instant coffee, it's been mavushal and it's then been roasted, and now you want to be mavashal. 
So this is bishul achar tzli, achar bishul, right? They cook it to draw out the uh, the the, uh, the 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 flavor. Then they dry it, which is tzli. So uh, depending how it's done, uh, we would uh, it, 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 we're presented with. It's actually more complicated. It's bishul achar tzli, achar bishul achar tzli, right? Because the first thing they do is they roast the beans. So that's tzli. Then they cook the beans. Then they dry the beans. So, so far we have a tzli, a bishul, a tzli. And now you want to put water from the urn on, uh, directly on the, uh, on the beans. So that's a bishul. So you have a bishul, achar tzli, achar bishul, achar tzli. So uh, that's the shayla when it comes to, uh, when it comes to coffee. So Rabbi Willard points out that that would, that would definitely be mutter, regardless of what you hold uh, about recooking something that was, uh, you know, about bishul, achar tzli, achar bishul. According to the Taz, the only reason we ask her is that the taste of the original cooking was changed by the roasting. Uh, but the taste of the coffee didn't change when it was dried. When it was dried, it was just to dehydrate it. It was just to, to dry it. So according to the Taz, where you're, meaning, if you look at the lundus of the Taz, that the lundus, not, not just like, oh, bottom line, well, uh, it, it is a bishul, achar bishul, so the Taz is going to ask her. No, look at the lundus of the Taz. The lundus of the Taz was, did, it, did, did the previous... Um, uh, uh, activity that you did, the previous action that you took on it, did it change the town? And the answer is no. When it dehydrates it, it doesn't give it a roasted taste. The roasted taste came from the first time. So it didn't actually change it. Roasting would change the taste. Drying doesn't change the taste. According to the Gitalu, because once it went through a halachic process of cooking, so it's no longer subject to Bishel. And therefore, says the Willow, when it comes to the instant coffee, regular plain instant coffee, uh, you can pour boiling hot water straight from a kettle or an urn, irically reshown, onto the coffee granules, um, uh, and it would be mutter. However, however, two more things to consider before we will take questions. After. Two more two things to consider. First of all, there is a Chuvas Marshag, Chelek Aleph Simen Nun Aleph. And Ramosha or Chaim Chelud Dalit Simnayin Dalit Ostezayin, where they discuss soluble foods. Do soluble foods have the status of an ochel or a mashke? Meaning, here you have coffee, and we're looking at coffee as a solid. But as soon as you put it in, you mix it with water. What happens to it? Right? If, if, if you ever drink a coffee in the morning and notice that it's crunchy, no, hopefully not. Right? Then you're using too many. Of the uh, the granules, if uh, if it tastes uh, crunchy or not enough water, um, it's obviously not crunchy. It becomes it's soluble. Totally turns into uh, the liquid. So so it could be that it has the status of a liquid. Ooh, what's the problem with the status of a liquid? Now we're back to to bishlach or bishul b'davalach, and uh, we'd have that problem. Second of all, uh, it could be that coffee is not yet considered to be fully cooked until you mix it with hot water. Um, meaning it could be that it's never mavushal called tzorachom initially, uh, because it's uh, similar to, to what Josh was saying in terms of uh, Rebel Yashiv, but over here, like for real, like it was never, it was never mavushal. I mean, when you talk about cooking up milk, so it was uh, once it's yatsa lettuce or whatever, whatever that gather is, it's, it got to that point. But, but when you're talking about cooking up a salad, cooking coffee beans, it could be there was never mavushal called tzorachom yet. So maybe it's still subject to bishul. Um, however, however, the Shari Tshuva uh, on the page, Shinyu Chesed Katnehei, quotes the Panamiiros that allows pouring hot water directly onto sugar because sugar was cooked during processing. So, what does that tell you? If you pour hot water directly onto sugar, 
and even though it's soluble, it's a, it's a davyavish, it's not a davalach. Also, Magnavam allows pouring water from a kudishan over salt, also previously cooked. So l'chora, one should be able to pour out water from a kudishan over instant coffee. On the other hand, on the other hand, the safer Zera MS, Asr is pouring hot water from a clevishon directly out the sugar. And he says the original cooking was only meant to prepare the sugar for further cooking because the ultimate purpose was to be dissolved into food. So we viewed the sugar as if the cooking process was not yet complete on the uh, sugar and therefore it's subject to the Israel Now if that's the case, the same could be said for soluble instant coffee. Clearly the only reason it was previously cooked is so that it could ultimately get dissolved in water. So uh, if that's the case, then you would not be allowed to wa- pour water from a kumishan over instant coffee, and instead should make coffee with an irakuchen or kishlishi, uh, if you're concerned that coffee is kaleabishal, right? If you're concerned that, and there is reason to be concerned that it's kaleabishal once it's been roasted. Right, the Svarit say that lechem is kaleabishal, so it's been baked, it's got to be easier to cook now. So once it's already been roasted, there's a good reason to assume that it might be uh, kaleabishal. So, lemaisa, lemaisa, lemaisa. There is reason to allow pouring hot water directly from uh, your urn or from the kettle onto the instant coffee. Uh, but uh, those who are machne to treat soluble things as a liquid, because that's a machlokas achronim, uh, would require uh, klisheni before mixing in the instant coffee. And if you view the processing of the coffee as only the beginning of the cooking process and you have a real, a real bishal problem, then you would need klishlishi in order to make uh, instant coffee. What's the practice? No, any coffee drinkers here? Shame. Not even Maybe you put, you put the water in the mug and then you... Uh, yeah. put the, okay. So uh, I, I, I think... Irikli shame. Even more machne. What does Ramesh say in that shulet? He personally only makes it in but really there's no reason to do it. Yeah. Um, however, what? I think so. However, however, not so, uh, not so that all coffees are made. And here's the thing about technology, um, not just technology, food technology, is you have to be, uh, you have to be aware of like what's going on, what changes. And the way coffee is delivered now may be different than the way coffee used to be delivered. It used to be coffee was a very cheap drink. So, you know, for like five cents a cup, because if you, if you buy a whole container of uh, instant coffee for like, whatever, four you're essentially having like a qu- you know, less than a quarter for each cup of coffee. Now you get these little foil packets that uh, say Starbucks on them, and each packet is like a buck and a half. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and that's how you make, and that makes exactly one cup of coffee. So, so if they're going to deliver you such a product, it can't just be all the money can't go into the packaging. They have to change the product a little bit also. So they did. They came up with a way to change the product and to make the coffee even more delicious. Well, our assumption that the drying out is called a tzli, is that so pasha, given that we saw, I don't remember what post it was, that putting something on a hot plate, if it doesn't give it the time of tzli, so then... You need another sniff lakula. It didn't even have tzli in between. It had tzli, then bishel, and now you're doing another bishel. Yeah, another sniff lakula, but maybe it's not even called tzli. They're just drying it out. So there's something called, yeah? Sometimes the Magna Verona pouring on the salt and the gas solubility. That could also be what Rebbe explained in Shia before, that it's because it was a food, the salt is a food right now. It's not like a ground coffee. I mean, I saw some guys in the put it in their mouth's fate, but like nobody eats it. No one would do that. So I'm saying that whole scar is not in the 
Kuhn says that it's not called the problem of court on the salt and the solubility issue because of what I've explained before that it's a food right now. Right. Whereas the coffee is never a food. It's only a food once it's uh, once it's totally liquid. Except for the guys in the yeah. Okay, yeah. They sell, like, they sell coffee beans like, for chocolate. Like, uh, I'll tell you more than that. I was, uh, when I was younger than you guys, I did an Ask OU seminar that they had in the summertime. I don't know if they still do it, where you go for three weeks and you go around with the OU and they show you how to cash a hotel kitchen and how to, you know, and, and what goes on in the restaurants and, you know, you meet with all these OU cash professionals. It was meant for guys who had learned Yeridea and were like moving out of town and were going to need to like run a Vanakash or somewhere and had to know what they were doing. Um, I had not yet learned Yeridea at the time. I just needed something to do over the summer. And uh, my uncle um, was uh, the president of the OU, so they couldn't say no. So <laughs> that, that, that was it. So I, I, uh, I did that the whole summer, you know, for three weeks. And uh, I had no idea what was, uh, no, we're not related. It's a different, uh, different person. Um, so uh, the uh, the the uh, we're related. So 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 anyway. So uh, so I, I was I was on the program and um, and they took us to a coffee place, a place that, that made uh, flavored coffee. So first of all, you think everything is so spitz and you know that, like how do they make flavored coffees? They take a bunch of coffee beans. There's a guy that just takes a canister of flavoring. Pours it and he's like, mm, that looks like enough, <laughs> you know. Like it just shakes the whole bag and that's it. That's the flavor. I would think it's like measured precisely and it's roasted together with the uh, flavoring. They, they they take the already roasted beans, they just pour some syrup in and then just shake up the bag and then they grind it and they make. Uh, that's it. That's your flavored coffee. Um, but uh, so it was just all about just checking the flavorings to make sure they were okay. But there was a, a Hungarian guy with us. Uh, who was on the program, and uh, he, he, as soon as we walked into the place, he, he put the bean off of the thing, and goes like this, he starts uh, tasting it, and he says, oh, this is actually not bad coffee. I'm like, that's disgusting. And that's like, but apparently there are people that, uh, you know, that would eat coffee beans, and they don't find it so, uh, so gross. I learned a lot of things that summer. I mean, nothing about, like, I, I mean, I wasn't ready to learn the kasha stuff, but I learned a lot of things about, a lot of other things. Um... <laughs> I learned which restaurant not to go into because of mice. <laughs> I learned which restaurant keeps their cheese out for seven hours in the summertime in uh, New York in July before they put it in the refrigerator. Anyway, so, uh, so we went to one restaurant and had there were a whole bunch of mice. Um, and it was, I mean, there were mice. It was disgusting. And then we went to a restaurant across the street and we went to the sub, 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 sub basement and there were no mice. And we saw a bunch of cats <laughs> running around. They, they solved their mouse problem. Um, okay. Anyway, the, uh, the, the the there is a uh, technology that they came up with called uh, microbrew. Uh, what is a microbrew? So this was uh, an innovation in 2009 that the Starbucks company came up with when they started producing their Via coffees. They use a mix of regular instant coffee, um, much more tiny uh, granules, but regular instant coffee with ground up roasted beans that had not been cooked, cooked in liquid form and then dried meaning just regular coffee beans that are ground up very tiny. And that way, when you pour the hot water on these teeny tiny uh, crushed up beans, it's actually brewing the bean right there instead of just, so it doesn't, it gives it a more authentic taste and not the actual, um, not the instant coffee taste. So unlike regular instant coffee, the micro-brewed coffee has at least part of it that's never been mavushal before. 
it's been roasted before, but it's never been mavushal before. So that becomes a much more serious shayla. Now you're talking about bishul achatzli, not bishul achatzli achar bishul achatzli, right? It's just straight bishul achatzli. So it never, and because it was never cooked before, it never had to be dried again. So it's mamish just straight bishul achar achatzli. So uh, even though it's a machlokz rishonim shulcharach and the ramar machmir on bishul achatzli. However, there is a kula that might be relevant over here. The Ramah writes in Sif Test that if you put salt in the Klirishon, even though it's an initial it's an of Bishel, the food is mutter because the salt becomes batel in the food. So even though you, you, you did an Isr, and the, the, the salt is mavushal and it's a problem, but, but the salt becomes batel in the food. Maybe you could argue whatever is part of the microbrew has never been cooked before, but once it's mixed together with the regular instant coffee, that it's mixed, because it's not just straight beans, it's a combination, it's a mixture. So maybe it becomes butel. So you have to see whether that's true, whether you can, uh, there, there are three problems with saying that, uh, four, pro- five, five problems with saying that uh, that, that, that's, that uh, just becomes butel. First of all, um, it may be a devastation and not be subject to bitl. Uh, meaning, since you wait till after Shabbos, uh, when a cooked food from Shabbos becomes mutter, there's no need to rely on bittel and allow the food on Shabbos. Shpalei Aleket uh, says that bittel works in the case of salt mixed in a dish because the bittel happened before it was ever cooked. So at the time of the bittel, it was all mutter. So you can't call it davashesh lamatirin. But over here, uh, oh, no, so maybe similarly by the microgram coffee, maybe you can say the bittel occurs when the two coffees are mixed together prior to the bishul, and maybe therefore you don't have to worry about Dabashishim Matirin. So challenge number one, salt, right? First challenge we have to say is maybe it's Dabashishim Matirin because the bittel uh, is only happening after the bishul, and you might as well wait till after Shabbos when it becomes mutter, because Achi Yochleta Be'isu, Yochleta Be'heter. But no, we don't know if, if the, the bittel happened before it was ever, uh, it was ever Mavushal. Um, the uh, just like in the salt, where uh, the the bittel happens before it was ever cooked, so it was all mutter, it was heter and heter. So then uh, maybe the bittel works. Yeah. Right. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to. I mean, there are a few challenges. Well, it's, when you buy it, it's already been bottled, it's already mixed. You're not the one that's mixing it. You're just putting it in with the water. Wasn't the Shibboleth like it only based on Zevazek Ori? There is enough freeze-dried coffee in order to make the coffee. The microbrew is just making it better. That was one of his, that was one of his directions. Yeah, but is that, is that... No, that, that was his header. Is the Zevazek Ori mixed? That was one of his header. Yeah, is the Matisse true? Yeah, because you have Folgers that makes a regular cup. Yeah, I know, but you're like... You're not buying folders. If you're buying this, then... No, that, not only that, it's just, I mean, you, need, you would need more of it then. What does that have to oh, do? That's cool. But you could make, like, a small amount of coffee with it. I mean, still... Uh, yeah, but... No, the volume doesn't... I mean, you would need more of it, meaning it's... A, it, the, of course it's contributing to the... Uh, I think. Um, it could also be that microgram coffee... Um, you know, the aim of Al-Nasil could be a problem over here. Rav Shlom Kluger in Sefer HaChayim, in Simeon Shin Yuches, uh, said, no, no, it's not a problem with the aim of Al-Nasil because if it were considered to be a bitzel Al-Nasil Chathila, it would remain usher for the person who did the bitzel forever, right? That's what we're passing in the Ardeus in the Sadi test. 
that if you violate it in then and you're the one that was mevatalit, then it's also for you forever. The fact that the Shabbali Alekin had to explain why it's not a Dabashesh Matirin, and he didn't simply say, you know why it's not a Dabashesh Matirin? Because it's never going to become Mutter. You were Mavatil something, Lechachila, it's never going to become Mutter. Why didn't he just say that? It must be that the Shabbali Alekin understood that the salt is not uh, the, um, being uh, bottled in the, uh, the, that the bit of the salt is not a violation of being bottled in the Chachila. Why not? I know, but it's not apparently because if it were in the then there's no discussion of davishesh l'matirin because the halachas in your days, if you're mivatel remains also to you forever. Maybe the reason that it's not considered mivatel is that there was no isra at the time of the tarovas. Same thing we said before, similar to uh, the, what the Taz writes in Simtaf Mem Zayin uh, with chametz prior to Pesach and schach pasul prior to Sukkot. He talks about tavrish chavav. But there was no isr when the mixture was made. So you could argue uh, that, no, in this case, it's more similar to mixing milk into water with the intention of adding the water to a pot of meat where we're machmir, right? Meaning, uh, is this like schach pasl mixed with schach kasher where at the time it's before sukkah, so it's all considered batal and tetra and etter and it's all fine? Like chamis uh, before Pesach where it's all fine? Or maybe, no, maybe this, you're dafka doing this so that you can rely on this bitl and then use it. Meaning, you're not allowed to take, if let's say you have a, 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 a cup of water, you're not allowed to take some milk, pour it into that water, so that, with the plan, so you can take the mixture of milk and water and pour it into your chicken soup, and pour it in, onto your brisket. Even though the water is shishim keneged, the milk, right? You're being mevatel, the, uh, the milk. Uh, you're not allowed to do that in order to mix with fleshings, right? That's Allah in Yeridea. Why is it then that, uh, that so many posts can allow using the, um, the coffee creamers, the non-dairy coffee creamers that have milk bottle in them already? It's already bottled the shishim in the creamer itself. There's very little milk in those creamers. Why do we allow doing that if you're going to pour it into coffee and you ate fleshings already? Because you're not pouring it into chicken soup. You're not pouring it into meat. You're pouring it into a coffee that is also pariv. And that you're having within six hours of fleshing. That we never went that far. We never went that far to be machmer and something like that. So that's why Radalski's Khanilvracha was making on Shakhtar in his mutter also. But to actually pour it onto chicken soup like that, that's gonna be us to plant to be mevatel so that you can pour it onto chicken soup. That's gonna be an uh, Isra Another problem with the application of bitl to the case of uh, the salt is that the salt is put in the dish specifically lataima, tzavida lataima. So the whole notion of bittel is difficult to understand in that context. What's Rosh Hashanah even, you know, what's Ramah even saying? The whole notion of bittel is difficult to understand when it's tzavida lataima. The Mishabura writes that it must be that the case that the case is that the dish was already salted before Shabbos, and you're just adding a little more on Shabbos, but not enough that would have added flavor on its own. So it's not really tzavida lataima. Um, so that, th- th- this this uh, whole uh, issue might be totally irrelevant to micro-ground, micro-brewed coffee because the entire mixture is min bimino and coffee beans uh, share the same uh, basic, uh, basic flavor anyway. Um, now also it's important to note that the Shibale Eleka didn't allow putting the salt in the Chachila. If there was no problem and, and the salt became, becomes bottom, why can't you just add the salt as desired? So, right, meaning the Shivali Aleka didn't say to do it, he just said it's butter. 
And we said, oh, but wait a second. If it's in Valtness Lechachila, then it should be Asr to you forever. No, for whatever reason, there's no issue of in Valtness Lechachila. Well, the Manushach, there's no issue of in Valtness Lechachila, so do it Lechachila. Why can't you do it Lechachila? So we're saying, no, you can't do it Lechachila, but when you do it, but the Evan, we're not going to call that, uh, you know, a violation of in Um So first, Roshul Kluger and Sefer HaChaim suggests that the Shabbali Aleka doesn't allow putting the salt in the dish Lechachila, because we're concerned that you're going to put in so much that it's going to become a vital taima. If that's the case, then there's no such concern when it comes to microgram coffee because it's all the same time. So there is no vital taima. The second possible explanation why the Shabbali Aleka didn't allow putting salt in the dish is that its concern was similar to what the Gemara tells us in the Sechas Bechorus Tavchav Gimel, that there's no vital for the tumma transmitted through Tumas Masa because the original source of the tumor remains even if it's mixed with the other items. So, so Tosus points out that the principle of bittel only applies as far as eating is concerned, but it won't relate So maybe with respect to the Yisra Bishop the Shabbos, there's no din bittel. I mean, as far as being the vatel, a tam of something, when there's a tam of Yisra or something like that, Okay, that's one thing. But over here, there's no time that you need to be mevatel. It's an Isra Shabbos that you're trying to be uh, mevatel. Then, then, then uh, I'm rushing a little bit, but uh, a fourth problem to applying bitl in the case of the micro-ground coffee, micro-brewed coffee, is, is raised by the Avnei Nezer. He said, in order to create bitl, you need a clash between two items that are not similar to, to, to each other. Uh, a Dover Heter and a Dover Isser or two items that have two different tastes that mix with each other. So then you have an issue of bittel. Mixing something not cooked with mixing something cooked is not going to create bittel, because there's no friction between that which is not cooked and that which is cooked. There's no friction between that which is us or that which is mutter over here. They're both halachically identical. They're both uh, us or bibishal. It's just that it ha- it's, it's no longer possible to cook the item that's already been cooked. But the Yisr Bishel is still the same Yisr Bishel. It's a prohibition on the, on the, on the Gavra. I, I'm not allowed to cook, but these items are not a friction inherently within the items. It's not even Shayach Bittel. And then, then a fifth and final uh, challenge to the notion of using Bittel to allow the microbrew coffee is that you can't be certain that there's a sufficient amount of the regular pre-cut coffee to be Mavatel, the non-cooked beans. Because even if it's a majority, it uh, could be that you need shishim over here to generate bittel. Um, so pashto uh, says you would need shishim. So lemaisa, lemaisa. Rav Shechter said that you can rely on bittel in such a case, and you could treat the microbrewed coffee the same as any other instant coffee. Um, and even if you want to reject uh, the application of bittel, uh, you would still be allowed to make the microbrewed coffee using a klishlishi. Mishum brew allows cooking something previously roasted in a klishlishi, meaning even though Mishum is machner klishlishi for something raw, but when it comes to bishul acharafia, he's makel in a klishlishi. Right? When it comes to the, the challah in the soup, he's makel in a klishlishi. So even though the Mishum thinks kalei bishul get cooked in a klishlishi also, at the very worst, if you're using the Starbucks vias, you'd be allowed to do it in a, even according to Mishum brew, you'd be allowed to do it in a klishlishi. So bottom line, your regular, plain, uh, run-of-the-mill instant coffee, probably even Iwe Klirisham is good enough. Makam Lahachmir to do cliché. Uh, um, if, uh, if you're using the Starbucks vias, uh, could be that Iwe Klirisham is okay, if you're going to rely on Bittal over here, but it's a whole Taira to rely on Bittal. 
So uh, probably better to, to use a klish lishi in, uh, in, in, in such a case. Um, and that way you'll satisfy all opinions, even that of the mission program. Okay, have a great day, everybody. A lot of great reading material here.